You're listening to a sermon audio from Cypress Church. You can listen to more sermons on our website or by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes. We hope you enjoy the sermon and invite you to attend one of our services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Good morning. How are you this morning? My name is Mike, one of the pastors here, and so glad that you chose to worship with us this morning. Why don't you take your Bibles as you're sifting through things and open to the Bible book of Ephesians. That's the book that we've been going through this morning. We're actually going to look at mainly at one verse, but also the verses, uh, it's Matthew 5, verse 21, but also the verses above that and below that and all the way in between. Uh, there's, just, there's just so much to, so, there's so much good stuff in the Bible. It's hard to just go one verse. I mean, how can you just do one verse when there's just so much to go? And, uh, and as you know, if you've been hearing me teach before, you know I use a lot of verses, and so I uh, encourage you with that. So uh, if you don't have a Bible with you this morning uh, and you'd like to use one, our wonderful ushers have got a stack of Bibles in their hands. They're walking down the aisle. If you want to borrow one, just wave at them, and they'd be happy to give you a loaner there. encourage you with that. Also want to encourage you to take out your uh, worship folder that you've received. Lots of stuff inside there. We're going to tell you all about those things a little bit later. Um, but uh, uh, take out the outline that's in there. There's a there's a card in there that's important. I actually forgot to say this for a service, but uh, um, uh, put your name on that in the prayer request. We can pray for you about. But uh, um, take out this uh, outline, and there's going to be there's lots of fill in the blanks there. The answers are going to be up on the screen. But also encourage you to uh, uh, in the lobby area. If you go outside these double doors and go left, there's a desk right there. It's called the under the sign Community Life Groups. Uh, these uh, uh, it's really plain. It says answers to the fill in the blanks and extra verses. <laughs> I give out a lot of extra verses, and so you want to have those, and, and you can pick up that so it'll help you as you study along. And we're, uh, we're right in the middle of a, a campaign. Uh, we call it a campaign. It's nothing like the campaign that's happening, political campaign. <laughs> that's just the, yeah, thank the Lord. <laughs> Somebody said already. Yeah, I don't know whether it's a circus or a tragedy. I don't know what it is. It's just. It's interesting. Anyways, the, it's not like that. It's a, it's a concentrated focus on uh, on a certain subject, and we're talking about being involved in God's family and what that's like. That there's room and what's life like in God's family. And so there's a couple different elements to this campaign. One is the uh, is concentrated focus. One is on Sunday morning. We talk about we're talking about you know certain passages out of the Bible book of Ephesians, and then we have a. Uh, uh, daily devotional that we've produced and put together and we would love for you to have one of these if you even if you're a guest with us and just going to come just for one day pick this up and uh, and read through it's great uh, bible study material for you it's a lot of really depending upon god and listening to god and so pick up one of these if you can afford a donation great if not uh, take one anyways that's not the, the issue is not the money it's just getting those in the hands and then the other part of the the this campaign this concentrated focus is um Sunday mornings, devotional, and then also there's there's a project that we encourage through our life groups, and life groups, the other part of it, so there's four elements of that, is is that uh, we encourage you to be involved in your neighborhood and get to know your neighbors and, and that, and we'll tell you more about that in, in the announcements when I talk about Christmas parties, but we do want to encourage you to get involved in a life group. Um, we produce every week one of these things called a, it's a life group uh, question page, and they're out in that same desk out here in the lobby area. Uh, you can pick one of these up. That's for personal Bible study as well, but a lot of life groups go through these, and I know our life group's having a blast at that, and there's many life groups available, and we, I'll tell you more about that at a, at a different time, but I encourage you to be involved in that. And, and that. But this morning, uh, we're going to talk about a key element of, of relationships in 
this God's family sense that we've been talking about. It's a very key element, and, and it almost seems as the Apostle Paul, as he wrote the book of Ephesians, kind of focused in on this particular element. He talked about a lot of things beforehand, but he focused in on this particular element. It's a particular element that actually comes out in, a, in team sports. Now, I don't know if you're a sports person or not, but October is like sports heaven for many sports enthusiasts. Because in October, all kinds of sports happen. Uh, baseball playoffs, uh, football's in full swing, basketball is doing their preseason, hockey is getting geared up, the sport of curling is sliding along. That's not, an, that's not a good sport for you? you? You guys don't watch curling on Saturday afternoons? What's the matter with you people? I mean, in Canada, that is the sport to watch. Yeah, well, yeah, I know. <laughs> I like the little sweeping things that go along. Hey, in the Olympics, it's a, just wait to the Winter Olympics. You'll see Canada will dominate in curling. And then, of course, there's soccer, which seems to happen all the time, never stops. <laughs> but you can enjoy all kinds of sports most every single day. Uh, there's... One aspect of, of, of sports I really enjoy, um, sure, the, the competition and the thrill of the contest to see who wins, and then there are those expressions of amazing talent, uh, people doing incredible things. But the part I notice the most is how that team works together. You know, maybe because I, I played team sports uh, before, and, and uh, let me ask, how many of you have ever been on a on a sports team or a work team or some kind of a team at some at some raise your hand if you've ever been on a team yeah most everybody's been on a team we we kind of get that team sense and, and when a team works like a team it is amazing on the pitch of the soccer team passing the ball and seeing a goal or or on the ice when the puck is slapped from one player to another and then into the goal or or on the court when pass after pass then yields that on that three-point line, that swish that just comes in. And we love it in that uh, when on the field, <laughs> when you're watching football and, and someone just makes that one-handed catch in the end zone and captures that they're in their full-flying mode, it's amazing. Or, or that work team, that work team that has that what seems to be a crazy goal of getting this uh, done by this certain due date and yet the team pulls together and does a few all-nighters and makes it happen or that community service team that blesses their city or the missions team serving the Lord. It's, it's, a, it's a beauty of unity. It's a symbiotic harmony of synergy. It's a delightful symphony of interdependence. An amazing connectedness of mutual submission and an inclusive group of people for those brief moments working together to accomplish a goal. You've heard the phrase, there is no I in team. Yes, made up of individuals, but they have chosen to work together, to be connected and to be committed and to be concerned about their fellow teammates so they can move on as one. One amazing family on a mission. God chose to describe our relationship with each other as a family, this family team. It's this biblical family sense that we've been talking about for the last number of weeks. That God, our Father, 
wants us to be part of his interdependent family. That sense that we are interconnected and, and, and it does take something to do that. It takes an ingredient that we're going to talk about today that's found in those teams. But the problem is that uh, we're not just all on injured reserve. <laughs> We've been wrecked. Uh, we aren't even fit to compete in God's uh, team. Uh, we've been disqualified. Disqualified because of our sin. The Bible's really clear that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we don't even have the ability to, to jump in and we can't fix ourselves. There's no amount of treatment or, or uh, exercise we can do to get us to be fit for God's team. We're just simply out of it. That's why we need a Savior. That's why Jesus came. He came to actually uh, renovate us and get us healthy again so that we can be the people that God created us to be and join into God's family. And so when we come to that place in our spiritual life, when we understand that we're sinful and need a Savior and it's Jesus and, and, we, and we receive Him. We, we talked about that like a number of weeks ago. We come to that place where we actually believe that we need a Savior and we believe it's Jesus. And many of you have made that commitment. You've come to that place in your life where you've prayed, Lord, I get it. I'm sinful. I need a Savior and it's Jesus and I want to live life your way. And you've, you've sought after that. And that's what it means to be a believer. And you've joined into God's team. And, it, and now it takes something in that team. It takes this mutual submission. Many of you have said have made that decision. Some of you are still on the way. And if we can ever help you with that, boy, please come seek us out. Write me a note saying, hey, Mike, I'd like to know more about this. And we can chit-chat about that and encourage you with that. But now as a family, we have a goal. We have a, a purpose. We talked about it a few weeks ago, Ephesians 2.10. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. In other words, that, 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 that we have taken us off the injured reserve and He's fixed us up and He's made us right in Him and, and, and now we are on a purpose and our purpose is for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Those good works are, are three things. To, to love God, uh, to, to seek to love Him with all of it. Jesus was asked, you know, what's the most important uh, commandment out there? And Jesus said very clearly, it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. That's to give Him honor and glory and all we do. The second, Jesus said, is like it, is, is to love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, to, to really care about the people around you. Yes, your physical neighbors that live around you, but also the, the, your neighbors at work, your neighbors on your whatever team you're on, uh, to, to be able to care about other people and where they're at with God and be able to share with them and show them what the love of Jesus is. And then to, to thirdly, to, to love each other, those fellow believers that, that we have around us, that we are to love one another just Jesus says, just as I have loved you. And so we're to be about God's purposes. Those are the good works he's called us to. And yet we live in an unfortunate climate in our world that is more about individualistic sense there and, 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 and an independent sense, exclusive with a focus on self, really an, an obsession with self. And yet we are called to be part, connected to, in mutual submission of this inclusive family. And the, and the question comes, how do we live life in God's family? Because we are diverse. We're not all the same, and yet we're called to this unity. And, if, and this was happening in the Ephesian church. There's a great issue between Jew and Gentile. Uh, these Jewish people who had grown up in the, in, in the Jewish family and some, and, and some entered into that culture, and it became their... Uh, um, uh, exclusiveness, they wanted to push out everybody else, and yet God had called them to have a unity with Gentiles, those who were not Jews, and all kinds of mix of, of 
interests and and baggage of their relationship come into this and God and God said through Paul be unified so we are to with all humility to walk on to live on in this unity using our gifts and doing our part to be part of God's family team and how do we do that how do we not get carried away by the individualistic current of this world where we act like and want to be like celebrities. You know, a celebrity that kind of opens their car door and all the paparazzi and they're flashing all at them and they want to know and get their autograph. And we're just the same way. We post something on Facebook and want the flash of likes and likes and likes. Oh, like, 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 oh, yeah. And we get this sense that we want to be built up like that and we post all these little things and get really upset when no one likes it and, and then no one seems to recognize us. And it's just that same, we have that celebrity mentality among us. And yet, God calls us to this collective this focus on the unity of togetherness. Yes, celebrating our individuality, but yet coming together and and with this idea of mutual submission. And Paul now focuses in on what it takes. Look at Ephesians 5.21. It says it right there. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That mutual submission that goes beyond what we can do humanly, we need some spiritual help and the Holy Spirit gives us a, a what we need to develop this attribute in our life. It's, it's, it's Holy Spirit-induced mutual submission while responding to authority that brings unity and harmony and a win for God's team, God's family. In Ephesians chapter 5, really starting in verse 14, 15, and all the way to, to six, chapter 6, verse 9, Paul gives us three actions to assure we are open to to the Holy Spirit's development of this mutual submission in our lives. A key truth that can be just what we need as an individual to really connect into God's family and really what we need as a church to connect into our community. And so I want us to, to look in on this and what it, how do we develop this sense of mutual submission in our life? So let's study. If you wouldn't mind, before we do that, why don't you stand to your feet? We're just going to pray really quickly. Set aside your books and ask God to really challenge us this morning. The Holy Spirit wants to work in your heart this morning, so let's ask Him. Father God, thank You for the the truth of Your Word, that it really is amazing how it cuts right straight through, and it just, Your Spirit uses that to teach us. And so this morning, I pray that You would teach us, that You would help us to gain exactly what You want out of this. Lord, may we not walk out of here without some morsel of truth we can hang on to this morning and know that you've taught us. Open us up to that, Lord. May we be sensitive to your spirit as we spend this time delving into your word, we pray in your son's name. Amen. Have a seat and I encourage you again if you always learn more when you dot down some notes and again that fill in the blanks are there and those extra bio verses, the answers, are, you can get that out afterwards. But three truths, three actions to assure we are open to the spirit's development of this ideology or this, 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 this idea of mutual submission in our lives. The first action to make us open to the Holy Spirit's work in our lives is to be wise. So hopefully you've got your Bibles open there to Ephesians chapter 5. Let me read you the first few verses here. It says, look carefully then how you walk. Now the sense of walking here is not just, yes, the physical walking, but it's really the way of life. Paul's been talking a lot about your walk spiritually. And so we're to walk the way of life were to be careful how we live the way, our life. And in that, he says, 
Be careful then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. The challenge here is not to drift along in faith. Matter of fact, if you look over verse 14, it says, Wake up! (laughs) Awake, O sleeper! Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Paul is saying here, don't just drift along in life. Wake up! Don't just drift. You know, a lot of times we just want to kind of go along on that easy river of life, and yet we get swept away by the current, and it's it's sad, and it's dangerous. And have you been in a rip current? Yeah, it's dangerous. <laughs> I was we were over uh, scuba diving, uh, or I was snorkeling in Hawaii. Christy was on the beach, just enjoying the sun, and I had gotten excited about you know looking for all the different fish and all of a sudden i put my mask up above this the the water line and i was like moving rapidly away from shore and i realized that i got caught in that weird current that swept you way out to sea <laughs> so man i had fins on and i just booked it and grabbed onto this rock as i was being pulled away and kind of clawed my way around the, the way to get into the bay and whew, i could have been whisked out to sea if i wouldn't have been paying attention it's so easy to get uh, swept away by the current, if we don't actually pay attention and, and know where we are and, and, and actually don't just float along and drift in life. For some crazy reason, we feel like when we come to Christ that we could all of a sudden just get, you know, set on an inner tube and go around the lazy river of life and we just kind of just go in the current and we, we drift into a Sunday morning church service and we just kind of go, well, you know, whatever, just I'm kind of open that God just kind of says something to me and I'm just, you know, sitting, and we don't participate, we don't take notes, we don't sit there and concentrate on what the, what the preacher, preacher's saying, we just kind of hopefully drift into that or we somehow feel like if we just kind of have a Bible sitting somewhere in our home, at least it's there. And some by some means, it'll somehow the words will kind of float in the air and just kind of zap into our head and we'll kind of all of a sudden have biblical knowledge just because we own a Bible. You actually have to read it to know what it says. There needs to be some effort put forward in our faith. That's where wisdom comes from. It's it's, it's putting out the effort because the swift current is out there and it's dark and and we're not to walk in darkness. Ephesians 5.8 For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So we're to set our course towards living life God's way and not just drift. And that means to not just know God's will but to understand it, to actually read and study and think and wrestle and initiate some time in knowing and also understanding, to ask yourself the hard questions. Why does it say that? I I need to know more. I need need to delve into this a little bit so I understand why God says this. And sometimes we don't get all the answers we need and then we need to trust God as we go through that. But we have to take the initiative to learn. That's why I love small groups because it's that opportunity to really wrestle with some issues in a smaller group setting. And, and, and I, we have a great group. There, there, there's lots of groups all over the time. I hope you get involved. There's still room, so go sign up. But uh, I know at our house on Wednesday nights, uh, we've been having some fantastic discussions, just you know, kind of gnawing in on the Word of God, working together to understand what it says to our lives today, to wrestle with it. And we're to wrestle with it because we need to get ready because we're going to be put on some field training. That's what God's Holy Spirit does. He gives us opportunities 
to grow and understand through our experience. That's why difficult things, highs and lows of life happen. There are experiences that we can go through. God doesn't just all of a sudden when we receive the Lord, take us to heaven. (laughs) He wants us to experience Him in life. And these these, uh, highs and lows of life give us opportunities to not only get to know God through that experience as we face either a difficult time or or a high time in life. And not only that, we can learn to be together with that. So there's something about God we can know, something about each other we can know through everything we go in life. Even the trials. Because we're all going to face them. Life is tough. There are difficult things that happen to us all the time. And we get this somehow crazy notion that if we accept the Lord or if we come to Christ, that nothing bad ever happens. The truth is we live in a world where bad stuff happens. Jesus even said that. You will face tribulation. So n- none of us are exempt. Has there, is there anyone here who has never faced a trial in their entire life? There's not a single hand that was raised. If Jesus were sitting here in a physical form, he wouldn't raise his hand either. Because we all struggle. This is a sin-bent world where issues and trouble... It's not heaven yet. Heaven's going to be wonderful. No more trials, no more issues like that. It's going to be beautiful. But we're not there yet. (laughs) So we're going to face opportunities. Actually, the English word opportunity comes from a Latin uh, word meaning towards the port. Opportunity. That a ship takes advantage of the tides and the winds to take safe harbor. In the same way, we are to, to roll with life and learn from... God's school of circumstances. Learn from the good times and the bad, from the celebrations and the calamities, from the wins and the losses, from the good health and even from the cancer. Remember James, chapter 1, verses 2 to 5. Consider it pure joy, brother, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result that you may be equipped, adequate for every good work. God's going to give us all opportunities. And it says there, there, if anyone lacks wisdom, he is to what? Ask of God. Because we need that wisdom. We need that understanding. And, and, and that wisdom is, is learning and trusting in the revelation of God. To trust in His Word. To take it into our lives. I love what 2 Peter 1.3 says. His divine power has given us everything thing we need for life and godliness. Here it is. Through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness so look for what we can learn of god in his word and in life and wrestle with the issues of life wrestle with them there's nothing wrong with asking god the why question or asking what's going on here god what we can't think of is is to say that we don't deserve this (laughs) Because actually, in our sinful state, we deserve all the wrath of God. But yet, by His grace and mercy, we don't always face all that. And we won't if we come to know Him. But yet, it takes involved and it comes down to that trust in God's Word than more than the circumstances. That's why I love Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path don't be wise in your own eyes 
trust in the Lord. It's not easy. It's not easy. Because life is difficult. Struggles happen. We face horrific news. But we're not to drift. We're not to just let go. Okay, just going to see what happens. No, we need to, to, to take on the effort and, and get the most out of every opportunity. It's too easy to drift. We're to be intentional, prepared, and make plans. Yes, be open to God's uh, intervention. But He wants us to start moving. He wants us to, to, to get into those zones where we can learn from Him. That's why we push life groups so much. Because that's a zone that you can get into where you're faced, where you can't hide. <laughs> and you need to talk about your life. There's such a small group, people are going to notice when you don't say anything. <laughs> and there's opportunity to interact on a more interpersonal level and, and why it's important to be involved in, in, in some kind of ministry. And serve in a ministry and be intentional in your neighborhood and give and, and come to church. That all keeps us moving so God can steer us through life. You know, it's a lot easier to steer a moving ship than one that's not moving. Plus, you gain wisdom along the way. And as you gain wisdom, you get that we can learn from each other about God and His will. <laughs> I mean... You've heard it said almost every Sunday about different life groups, but we've been having such great discussions in our life group, just talking about life and, 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 and how things are going. And sometimes we don't even get through all the questions because we're too busy talking up great things that bring up uh, uh, points that someone brought up. They're just amazing. And we learn from each other. And, and, and that's why it's so important. Those things are encouraging in that way. And the Holy Spirit uses those times to help us learn this attribute of mutually submitting to each other. That we can all learn from each other. And an amazing team family spirit is fostered. So be wise. As well to be open to the Holy Spirit's work to develop this attribute of, of mutual submission. We're to be filled. Look at verses 18 to 20. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, uh, which is a waste of time. But be filled with the Holy Spirit, addressing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I, I kind of wanted to call this point be intoxicated. <laughs> I thought that would take us down a whole misunderstanding. But the key is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, the word picture here is the picture of a sail being filled with wind, both being controlled by and empowered by the wind. That's how we are to be with the Spirit, to be both controlled and empowered. See, when, when you're drunk or, or high, a person is under the influence of something else. And when you're drunk and high, it, it, it leads to a behavior that is reckless, worthless, senseless. Is ultimately selfishness. And nothing good or right comes from it. That's why God's word is clear. Don't do it. And believe me, I've seen it. I lived in a family with an a, a alcoholic father. And I wear both uh, internal emotional scars and outward scars of the, the rave of a drunken man 
I know what it's like to, to see him go out of control and cause incredible harm, both physical and emotional. And as a youth pastor, I, I've been at too many gravesides of students having their lives cut short with alcohol-related deaths. I've cried with a mom who, who lost her son and her daughter and her husband because some guy got so drunk, he ran head-on into them and instantly killed all three of them. Three funerals. Nothing good comes out of that because you're under the influence of something that's not God. Or to be under the influence, to be controlled and filled by the Holy Spirit. Now you've been given the Holy Spirit when you first received the Lord. Romans 8 9 explains that. And he is with us, teaching us and guiding us all the time. See, when you come to that place where you, yes, broken and, and without God and, and come and receive the Lord, you've been given the Holy Spirit. It's there. He's there. He's with you. And he's there teaching and guiding you as John 14, 26 says and John 16, 13 says. But to be filled is not automatic. We have to choose. To choose to walk under the control of the Holy Spirit. To live surrendered to God's will and way. Galatians 6, 15 says this, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Romans 5, 8 says it even, in, even clearer. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. So to be filled, to be under the influence is to, be, is to follow God's will and to have His will and way more valuable than anything in our life. To trust Him over how we feel, like in the area of forgiveness. God's Word says for us to forgive. No matter what has happened to you, we are to forgive. It doesn't mean that, that, that you just excuse off what they did. It means you forgive it. It means you let it go. And yet we want to hold on to it. But we need to forgive. That's what God's word tells us to, to forgive. In the same way with judging. God's the only righteous judge. Our job is not to judge. That's God's job. Sure, yeah, we're to confront people when they mess up and we're to lovingly draw them back to the Lord, but we're not to have that judgmental attitude towards people. Yet we do. So who are we following when that happens? When we're not forgiving. We're following ourselves and we're not following God and we're not filled with the Spirit. It goes the same way with giving. God's Word tells us to give. It's right there, plain and simple. God loves a cheerful giver. We say it almost every Sunday. God wants us to give. He tells us to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. That we're to give a portion of our income and some argue, well, I don't really think the Bible talks about tithing and that's the Old Testament thing. Tithing is a great place to start. I said start. Work up to it and work beyond it. Really, we should, be giving to, we should be giving sacrificially so that we can look at our life and say we're going out because going, going without because we're giving to God. And the truth is, we'll drop a dollar in the plate and think we're good. <laughs> yeah, we're earning way more than that. God says to give. When we don't give, we're not walking by the Spirit. We're walking by the flesh. It's the same way with pride. 
God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble, that we're always to be humbling ourselves. Instead of trying to be prideful and pushing ourselves forward, when we do that, we're not walking with the Spirit. To walk in the Spirit is to follow God's Word and to be humble with kindness and all those other attributes that we're to put on. When we follow God's Word, we're living in the Spirit. And as we are filled with the Spirit, we exude the results of the Spirit's action in our life. It's called fruit. The fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. You can look at those nine attributes and even use them as a guide. It says, how am I doing spiritually? Am I really being filled with the Spirit? Do you see these things happening in your life? You don't need to be perfect in them, but are you growing in them? Are you being more self-controlled now than you were last year? Are you being more kind and gracious and all those things? It's the example of the fruit of the Spirit. And also mutual submission comes out of that. That willingness to, to connect with other people and, and submit to their leadership when they're in leadership over you and, and so forth. It's a key factor in us working together and living as God's family and team. And so, yes, be wise, but also be filled. And then practice submission. Verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, how do you react when you hear the word Submission. Most people think of something negative, being uh, forced into some subservient role with an unpleasant twist of obedience. And yet that's not what Paul's talking about. He's talking about something much greater, an interdependence, a a connectedness. Uh, Paul's also not talking about this, uh, this sense of an egalitarian view where everyone is equal in authority and ability, like knights of the round table or a true democracy where everybody has equal say. Yes, we all are valued the same and are equal in being loved by God and the same, with the same intensity and depth. All of us are equal in that. Yet there are roles and there are positions of authority God puts into place we each need to submit to to yield to, to give into, and to obey. And the first is to submit to the authority of God. (laughs) This is probably the hardest one. Because the truth is, we want to be in charge. (laughs) We want the world to revolve around us. We want what we want. And we want it now. No questions asked, just give me what I want. And And we live it that way so often in our life. And and our, our sin tendencies have this influence because that's the way our, our sin nature pulls us. It came from the very beginning in the Garden of Eden when the enemy said to Adam and Eve, ah, you can be like God. Just eat of this fruit. And we bite into it constantly because we live in a sin-bent world and we live in a sin-flesh suit and that keeps us moving away from mutual submission. See, we want power over partnership. We want benefits over belonging. And we want superiority over service. And if we're going to function as this amazing family team, we must choose to submit to others according to the authority and order God has established. It's knowing our roles and appropriately fitting into those roles 
connected with the, each other in respect, love, and obedience. It's like, it's like a team following the, the orders of the play, using the abilities of each team player. You know, in football, if that, that ball was, you know, they call the play, everybody gets to the play, they call the play, and all of a sudden it says, you know, the guy says, here's the order to snap the ball. The center decides, I'm not going to snap the ball. I'm just going to keep it to myself and see what happens. Now, that would be ridiculous. There would be chaos. If everybody decided, I'm going to go wide, I'm going to go right, and that play was just to do something else and do a running play... If they didn't listen to the order of the play, it wouldn't happen. So there is a coach. There is a team captain. There is someone who's making the decisions, and we need to submit to those. It's the same way in life. It's a lot like uh, um, this uh, competition that's found in Tarragona City in Spain. It just happened this past week. I actually wrote about it in my... A weekly email. Some of you get that. If you, by the way, if you want to get that, just write on your connection card. Mike, put me on your blog list, and and uh, some of you get it on Facebook. Sometimes it's in the paper. But if you'd like to get an email of that, just write your email address down. But I wrote about this this last week about this idea of human tower building. It's it's a big competition in Spain. They have a biannual competition, and uh, these towers are known as castells, and um, they are the work of both kids and adults. Uh, practicing mutual submission as they build these huge towers. Actually, check this out. We, there's a video that's been kind of surfacing on uh, on YouTube or on uh, um, Facebook. Wow, this edition of the Concours de Castells has just started and we're about to see the first monster of the day. A 3 of 10 with a triple base. And it's going to come from Castellers de Vilafranca. Please pay attention to the silence and right now... 15,000 people here in Taracarena Plaza are paying to this tower, to this monster, as just Albert said. This is a 3 of 10 triple base. It's the, it would be the first time to see it completed in Concours de Castells because until two years ago, seeing this tower completed was really rare. Although the last year and this year, it's become a couple of teams have been able to get a very good command on this 3 of 10, 7th level already in place and seems good. And you have to pay attention to the work of combination with this triple base, the first base, the second base, and the auxiliary base. That is the key for supporting that tower. And the pair has already reached its position, and it looks like they're going to succeed. Although we still have kind of 20 seconds left. But there's the bending child. We're just one level away from success. That is the most important moment. There it goes, the Antoneta, the crowner. One step. Two steps, and here we go, the first 10-level tower. And if they don't get nervous, they are very, very likely to succeed completing it. It looks quiet. It looks quiet. We just have to work hard now, and they are they are about to achieve it. Yeah, because the pair is already out of their position, and the tower seems very, very safe. Let's say it again. For the first time, a 10-level tower is going to be completed in the Tarragona Concours de Castells. This is a historic moment, the first of many that we're going to live for sure today. But as you can see, Villafranca supporters are now going crazy because this is a great, very great start. And now you will see the, the happiness that awakes to them. Look, look. Of course, now it's great to see how they dismantle this spectacular triple base. There are hundreds of people, more than 30 people on the third base. 
around 90, 80, 90 people on the second base and everybody else, I think countless people on the on the bottom base. And of course, this is a moment of joy. Uh, all the pressure now goes to Koya Bella to get the balls, the outsiders, because Villafranca have started with a really, really good point. Three of ten, triple base completed. That earns a lot of points, and of course we'll place them, at least at the moment, in the first position of the Human Power Contest. And here we see the score, Castellés de Villafranca, 3 of 10, triple based, 2,450 points. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. <laughs> I, to me, the hero is that one little kid on the top. Uh, but if you if you want to watch the it's a whole two hour video of this competition. Red Bull puts it on, and uh, you can just go um, Google um, Human Towers or Castells Red Bull, and it will give you the whole two hour uh, deal with that. And it's it's amazing. Most of the towers fall, and it's and and actually no, hardly anybody gets seriously hurt. I mean, you know, maybe some few bruises or things like that. But <laughs> you watch them, and all of a sudden it just goes like a like a. Uh, house of cards boom it just just crumbles because one person just is not being held up enough and they just crumble because they just it's so much but it's such to me a great picture of this sense of 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 practicing mutual submission they're all interdependent on each other they need each other to be able to amass this huge tower and i think they were the ones who actually won it at least i couldn't tell my spanish is not that good to be able to understand all of that but uh, um they uh, uh, did a very good job of that, and it was a really great idea of, of this sense of no one wanting the glory for themselves. They, as a team, they work together, and that's the the picture of this thing that Paul's trying to get at about this mutual submission. Now he gives three different examples of uh, of what it is that, of, 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 that we are to strive for. Uh, three. Um, aspects in three examples that we're to strive for as we practice mutual submission and the first one is is found in verse 25 to 33 it's it's partnership over power and that's found like in a marriage uh, in a marriage relationship is it's a great example of how we're not to focus on who is in charge but a loving partnership of mutual respect and honor and actually there's roles to play in this marriage and and paul goes in that you can read those later that's a whole other sermon and a half and a whole seminar on its own but but men we're to love first just like jesus loves us we're to initiate an atmosphere of love where we play to each other's strengths now in our family um there are certain talents that i have that i bring to our marriage and certain talents that christy brings to our marriage and one of them that Christy brings that I submit to constantly is she uh, she decides what I'm supposed to wear. Because if I was to choose what I was supposed to wear, some of you would go, oh, Mike, oh, Mike, Mike, please change that. Your socks, your... Well, I do, she won't... I give in on my socks. That's what I get to do. I get to choose my socks. Because <clears throat> they're fun. Don't you love the fun socks? Uh, but she's also she also does I submit to her in decorating because if I was to decorate the house I'd put a large you know tapestry and bring in some leathered something and you know put a saddle in the middle of the I don't know I would just do, there'd be you know uh, animals hanging on the wall you know and that just wouldn't be what what would look nice Christy makes her home look beautiful because I submit to her and that's we partner in that way and it's, just, it's the idea that in a marriage we're to partner. The, the, the key is partnership, not power. 
And when a marriage goes sour, it's a lot of times because there's a struggle for who's in power. Instead of working on trying to how to, how to complement each other and work together as a team. Uh, Paul goes on for another example. Uh, the next is to strive to belonging over benefits. And that's in verses, uh, chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. And that's in a family relationship. Not to look for what you can get out of the family, but how you can contribute to the belonging, that sense of togetherness in the family. And then kids, we're to obey our and honor our parents. And I know it's tough. Because sometimes parents are mean and distant. So parents, don't be mean. And don't be distant. Guide your kids. Be the parent. And take the initiative to bring the fun and, and love and belonging in the family. Seeking belonging, seeking uh, partnership brings about mutual submission. And lastly, to strive for service over superiority. And that's found in verses uh, 5 through 9 of chapter 6. In work relationships. It talks about master-slave relationships. And, and the truth is, most of us are not the boss. And even if you are the boss, we're to have a servant's heart. To take on a heart of a servant which is humble and helpful and diligent. For a servant's heart promotes that mutual submission. You know, it's a risk to be on a team. <laughs> Can you imagine the risk that's involved in that Castells team? I mean, you saw that guy just struggling. He had his shirt in his mouth, you know, holding his shirt together. I think the seamstress ought to get a medal. I mean, they were yanking on that thing to, 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 to crazy this, but it, it's a... Um, they work together. It's risk to be on a team. And it's not always comfortable. That one guy, man, he's just sweating there holding everybody up and everybody's holding him up. But it, it, it takes something of us to be on a team. It takes something countercultural, And submission is not a natural trait. But mutual submission is, is a vital to life in God's family. And the Holy Spirit is eager to develop this in our lives. As we seek to be wise, learning of God and His way of life, as we're seeking to be filled under the influence of the Holy Spirit through obedience, walking in the Spirit, and practicing submission through partnership, belonging, and service. The question is, will you? You see, this is just what we need as people to understand this, this, this idea of mutual submission because that's how we develop this, that sense of connectedness in the family. It's not everybody running after us and making us feel better. It's us joining in and linking arms as people are crawling over our backs to build up to this tower that God has for us as accomplishment of doing God's works. And sometimes we are the crowner. <laughs> we get to be the one on the top that waves the hand that says it's done and then crawl back down. Others of us are just gripping the sides and, and are holding up somebody else. But we're all part of what God is doing. And we're to find our part and jump in and see what God does. That's what it takes. It takes that sense of mutual submission. It's not natural, but it's something the Holy Spirit wants to develop in us. The question is, will you? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the, the good lesson and the good picture of that Castell's team of, of working, Lord. It, that's how we need to work as a church and as individuals as we seek to live this life you've called for us to live. 
not as some lone person off to the side, but Lord, as, as a team, mutually submitting to each other and the leadership that you've set up, whether it's in the home or in the church or, or uh, in the workplace, Lord, help us. Help us to live as you would want and help us to, Holy Spirit, develop that sense of uh, mutual submission as we seek to be wise and seek to be filled and practice that. Lord, we need to be more about partnership and more about service and more about belonging and trying to get our will in our way. Help us in that, we pray in your son's name. Amen. We want to move into a time of, of reflection. It's a time that we have in our service most every Sunday. It's a chance for you to give an opportunity to talk to God about things that you've been challenged with this morning. Because I know God's been working on your heart. There's something that challenged you in today's message and and, this, and your time here. And talk to God about that and, and maybe what steps you need to take. And if you want to stand with somebody in prayer with that, we have our prayer team members and our pastors and our elders and they're taking positions around our auditorium right now. Some are going to be up front here, some along the sides and in the back. And if you would like to pray with somebody about anything that's on your heart and mind, you can feel free to come to one of us who are standing up here. You don't have to pray about this morning's message. You can pray about anything you want. Uh, maybe some struggles you're going through, some issues you're facing, and you just want someone to stand with you in prayer. You can come to one of us. It doesn't make a difference who you come to. Uh, you can just come to any one of us. We'd love to pray with you. But certainly you talk to God where you're at. Now to make it easy for those who want to get out, if you wouldn't mind standing to your feet and... Uh, and if you feel so led, you want to come pray with somebody, you can feel free to do that, but certainly talk to God. But let's spend this time praying as the song is played and being sung.